I am so, so excited to preach. We are in a series called No Love, No Money. It might be the longest series uh, in Cornerstone history, right? Like we've been in this series for a minute, but I am super excited to talk about the most dreaded topic in church, which is what? Money, right? We hate talking about money in church. Like I grew up in those churches where it was every Sunday, there was this big offering push. Luckily we don't have that church, right? But something that I've began to understand about money is that most people are uncomfortable when it comes to talking about money. Most people, I, I don't know if you've realized this, but most people that like talking about money usually have tons of it. If you ever realized that, like they, they have tons of it and they love to tell you about it. But the average person is pretty uncomfortable when it comes to talking about money. But let me ask you a question. How does money make you feel? How does money make you feel? Like, I just want you to process that question this morning. How does money make you feel? For some of us in the room, maybe you feel joy because at one point in your life, you weren't doing great in your finances, but maybe today you find yourself in a good spot. So you find joy there. For others, maybe you hear money and you immediately think of regret. Like you think of those decisions that you wish you wouldn't have made with that, that money or those financial decisions that you wish you could get back. There's some of us in the room maybe that when we hear money, we think about power, right? We think about the power that it gives us. We think about the value that we get from money. For some of us, we think about stability or security And I don't know if anybody in the room is like me, but money is the one area of my life that I experience amounts of stress. Anybody else relate to that? Like I I experience when it comes to money, stress. And I I, honestly, if you're around me at any point in time, I'm a pretty chill guy. I I don't stress about much. I'm usually pretty chill. I I can roll with whatever, but there's something about money that stresses me out. And I think part of it is the fact that there's so many strings attached to money. Did you know that? Like the second you get it in there, a string attached that just pulls it away from you, right? Like rent snatches it, that mortgage snatches it, that daycare for all those young parents still paying for daycare, right? Snatches it, that car payment, snap. I mean, there are so many things about money that are unknown. There's so many things that we can't expect. And this is why it stresses us out is because there's so many things that can happen. I don't know about you. Have you ever had one of those years where like you just feel like you can't win with money? You ever had one of those years that if, if it's this year, I'm, I'm sorry, right? Like you ever had one of those where you're saving for that vacation and you're just pumped and you're excited and then what happens? The car breaks down. Like you're, you're excited because you finally got some money in the savings. You're so excited, man, that, that savings account is full. And then what happens? The air conditioner goes out. Oh, some people just felt that, right? And, and this, this is what happens. I have realized money is the one thing that can take a normal person and make them clinically insane, right? Like money just has a weird power to it. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the reasons that I have dealt with money the way I have is because I believe the lies that it tells me. I believe the lies that it tells me. I don't know if you know this, but every time you get any of this, there are lies written all over it. Anytime you get any of this, there are gonna be lies written all over it. 
And this is what the enemy does is the enemy wants you to see this the wrong way. Is he wants you to believe that this is gonna provide something for you that God can't provide, that this is gonna bring you security, that this is gonna bring you all the things your life has ever dreamed. There are lies written all over this. And it's as if money blindfolds us and tells us that it's gonna be something that it's not. And then when we take the blindfold off, what do we see? Just usually regret, usually a mountain of debt, usually something that we didn't think we would see, I heard this really funny story this week where this lady entered a sales contest because she heard that she was gonna win a Toyota. And so she worked her tail off and she ends up winning this sales contest because she wanted that Toyota, right? And she was pumped when she found out, found out that she won. And so they blindfolded her, they took her outside the front of the building and they put the Toyota in front of her and she takes the blindfold off thinking it was like a Toyota 4Runner. And guess what it was? It was a toy Yoda. It was a toy of Yoda from Star Wars. She thought she was competing for like a 4Runner or a Toyota truck, right? How many of y'all would have been frustrated, right? And so she ends up suing the company because what she thought was reality wasn't really reality. She put in all this work thinking, hey, all this money I make is gonna provide this thing and what happened, it lied to her in the end. And this morning, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't wanna preach at you. I just wanna tell you my story with money because I've been lied to because money will lie straight to your face. The first lie that I've believed about money is this, is that I'll be happy when I have blank. I'll be happy when I have blank. Have you ever believed that lie? Like I'll be happy when I have that car, I'll be happy when I have that house, I'll be happy when I have that thing. And believe it or not, this actually goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Now, I wanna give you a concept this morning that maybe you've never heard when it comes to money, but I felt like God showed me this this week, and I wanna read a pretty good portion of scripture from Genesis this morning because I think God wants to show us something when it comes to money. It says this in Genesis chapter two. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. I want you to notice right here up front that it says he created a bunch of trees and all of them were beautiful and had delicious fruit. Trees that were beautiful produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to jump to verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat every tree in the garden. You can have all the fruit from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Genesis chapter three says this, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? We've, we've heard the story, right? The enemy starts speaking lies. And I want you to notice what she says and how quickly the story changes. She says, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, 
You know what she's really saying? We have plenty to eat. We have plenty. We have everything we need. There are so many trees in the garden. There is a bunch of delicious fruit, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. For if you do, you will what? Die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Notice how quickly the story changes here. It says the woman was convinced. She saw that that tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So very quickly, what do we see? We see the scene change where I've got plenty. I've got everything I need. I've got plenty of delicious fruit. All the trees are beautiful to where she's convinced that the one tree she's not supposed to touch has everything she'll ever want, right? She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. I want you to remember that phrase. If she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You might be saying, well, what, what in the world does that have to do with money? What in the world does that story have to do with money? I wanna point this out because it's very, very important that you understand this. God blessed Adam and Eve with everything they needed to be happy. Key word there is needed. He told them you can have everything. You can have everything in the garden. He literally created this space for them to enjoy and he only restricted one beautiful tree and its fruit, just one. Just for the sake of the story, let's just say that he said you can have 90%, but just don't touch this. You can have everything else, but just don't mess with this tree and its fruit. And what was crazy is the story began with Adam and Eve believing that they had enough. But how quickly did the enemy trick them into believing? How quickly did the enemy lie to them and get them to believe that all of the other trees and its fruit was not enough and they had to have the one that God restricted? We, we laugh at this story and we act like Adam and Eve are the one who caused all the problems in the world, but we do this every day of the week with our money. Because we believe that God is hiding things from us or God is keeping things from us or God doesn't want us to be happy because he won't give us that thing, right? But you don't realize that the enemy is playing you. The, the enemy is taking your money and he's writing lies all over it that are clear to see and if you believe the lie that you'll be happy when you eat from that tree, I'm telling you, you'll end up just like they did, ashamed, just like they did in a place that God never intended them to be. You wanna know what I think it comes down to is we have a comparison problem. We have a comparison problem. Can we just be honest this morning? 
Let's take the mask off. Like, like we have a comparison problem. I know every single day that I fight comparison. I don't know about you, but I fight comparison. And, and, and I can get selfish with the things that God has given me. Because I have a car and I've got a house and I've got everything that I really need. But here's something I want you to understand is that every single day I pull onto my road, believe it or not, my neighbor has my dream car. I can't make this up. My neighbor parked across the street from me has my dream car. It's a 2022 Jeep Wrangler. It's lifted. It's all white. It's got black rims and I love it, right? Like I, every day I pull onto the street, I'm like, ah, right? I want it. And I, I mean, every day I come to my house today, I'm gonna leave from this sermon. I'm gonna go to my house and I guarantee that beautiful car is gonna be sitting there. I can guarantee it. And I don't know about you, but I'm always one step away from stupid. <laughs> I, like, I don't know about you, but I, I'm always like right there because I can afford the payment, right? And, and I'm always one step away from going, I'm about to make a really bad decision. Because why? Because man, it looks good. Like that's the tree I wanna eat from, right? Like, and what happens is every day I drive home and I pull onto my road and I grip the steering wheel of my Ford Taurus. <laughs> Think I'm joking. And I grip that mug, right? I'm just like, ugh. Why do they have what I want? And if I'm not careful, I'll believe the lie that I'll be happy when I have that. Instead of being thankful for the fact that I don't have a car payment. Instead of being thankful for the fact that I'm not drowning in debt. Did you know that the average car payment today is $674? Some of y'all just about had a heart attack. Y'all were like, oh. Some of y'all are like, mine's more than that. <laughs> just be honest in church. The average car payment, $674. You wanna know what that fact does? It keeps me away from jumping into stupid. It keeps me away from making a bad decision. Because if I believe the lie that I'll be happy when I have that massive house and that beautiful car and all those things, listen, the enemy is doing his job. We have a comparison problem. And listen, I know that Instagram and Facebook and TV tells you that the good life is having all those things and you are stuck driving that 2001 Honda Civic. Trust me, I get it. I drove a 2001 Honda Civic all through college. I could write a country song about that Honda Civic. You know what I'm saying? You got that car that you could write a country song about. And, and I, I remember to this day driving that car through college and I hated it. I hated it. But listen, perspective is everything. While you're driving that 2001 Honda Civic, there is somebody else in the world driving a PT Cruiser. That's a joke. <laughs> if you have a PT Cruiser, I'm not hating. But there, while you're wishing away that, that Civic, there's somebody else that's drowning in debt that wish they would have waited like you. While you're wishing away that house, there's somebody who doesn't have a house at all. Perspective is everything.
It's not, I'll be happy when I have blank. It's not, I'll be happy when I get more of this thing. That's a lie straight from the enemy. And I know what it's like to drive junk when you want the Jeep. I know what it's like to feel cramped when you want the mansion. I know what it's like. I understand better than you realize. But here's the truth I need you to understand is God has given us more than we deserve. We don't need more things. We need more of God. I need somebody to say amen a little bit louder. Amen. We don't need more things. We need more of God. I have to tell myself this every day of the week that I don't need all of these things to bring me joy. I don't need all of these things to bring me happiness. No, I've got more than I deserve. God has been good to me. Lie number two is this, is that the more money I have, the more value I have. Have you ever believed this? The more money I have, the more value I have. I don't know about you, but growing up, I believed this lie so much. Because we were pretty well off, but if you're searching, you will always find somebody who has more than you. Have you ever realized that? Like you could be in a really good spot but still search and find somebody that has more money than you. I guarantee, even for those of us in the room that may have more money than the person next to us, there is still somebody else that has more than you. And this is the perspective that we have a lot of times is we just tell ourselves, well, I'll be as valuable as that person when I get as much as they have. I, I remember when I was in fourth grade, I was in fourth grade, I had this friend named Ben and he brought $600 to school to the lunch table. In fourth grade, I just want you to imagine a fourth grader with $600. And he brought it to the table and we're sitting at lunch and he's showing everybody his money. And the girl that I liked sat at our lunch table and she was so impressed because Ben was just like, check this out, I'm a millionaire, right? Like, cause $600 to a you know, fourth grader I mean, it's endless, right? And he was just like, guys, check this out, right? And so it bothered me because one, the girl that I liked was impressed with him and all of my friends were impressed with him because he had 600 bucks and I found something out. My parents at the time were doing the envelope thing. You know what the envelope thing is where you split your money up and you have different envelopes for different so it's a budgeting tool and so my parents were doing that at the time and I knew where they kept the money so what I did was I went and I went in the drawer and I took a thousand dollars out of those envelopes and I took them to school and I said what's up Ben <laughs> right it's like check me out son and I was all about it baby and that girl was just like he's a billionaire right I mean, she was, she was so impressed. And I got everything I ever wanted and desired. Well, that's a lie. You wanna know how long that moment lasted? Like 15 minutes. And that was the first time I ever heard, you just wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> you, ever heard, you ever heard that growing up? Teacher got called, principal chewed me out. Got my tail beat, right? And... And it lasted about that long. My moment of fame disappeared. But you, know, you wanna know the principle of what I was doing? I was saying, if he's got 600, I'll be more valuable with 1,000. 
hey, if he's got a 2015, you know what? I'm gonna buy a brand new 2020. I'm gonna get some more value. And I don't know about you, but I have believed this lie for so long. You see, you see we, we laugh at kind of the craziness of that story, like me in fourth grade taking $1,000 from my parents, but I'm gonna be honest with you, we do this as adults. We buy cars to impress people that we don't even like. Some of you right now, you're, you might be driving a car to impress somebody that you don't even hang out with. We, we buy houses to prove a point to somebody when nobody cares. We, we go on vacations to try and show people that we're happy and the whole time we're on the vacation, we're miserable. And we, we do this and at the end of the day, what are we left with? We're left with debt, we're left with regrets, and we're left with a rat race that we can't keep up with. And I'm just gonna tell you straight up, we have to know that our value comes from Christ. Our value comes from Christ. It doesn't come from vacations. It doesn't come from our homes. It doesn't come from our cars. It doesn't come from our bank accounts. It comes from the one who created us, who died for us, who rose for us, and who is coming back for us. That's where your value lies. I don't know what lie you have believed in thinking that the nice car and the nice house and the nice things brings you value because I'm here to tell you, most lottery winners are miserable. I was reading lottery winner stories this week and I literally read a woman that won $34.5 million and she said, if I could go back to the day, I would have ripped the, tip, the ticket in half. And some of y'all were like, I'll take it. <laughs> like, just give it to me, right? But there's a reason. It's because it doesn't matter how much you have. If that is your value, you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough. You see, the only value I need is the value I get from knowing Christ. And if I can become content in that, I love that word content. If I can become content in that, I'll have all that I need. Listen to me. God honors contentment. He wants you to know that you don't have to search for your value in things of this world. He wants you to learn to live within what he's given you. He wants you to be generous. It's not the more you get, the more you have. It's the more you get, the more you give. It's a principle for your life. And I love this verse in Philippians chapter four. It says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach, empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the context of that verse. We, we rip verse 13 and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? You know, the context of that verse is, it doesn't matter if I've got everything I want or if I've just got everything I need, plenty or little, big or small, Christ gives me the power for it to be enough. He's my strength. He gives me everything I need. And I want to give you this truth. God cares more about me than he does my money. Did you hear me? 
Listen, I'm just talking to you this morning. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm telling you everything that I have to tell myself when it comes to money. God cares more about me than he does my money. Listen, I, I, I know if you grew up in the church where like money was all the thing and you have to like give your, sign your life away and what, like I, I grew up in that church. I get it. But I want you to understand that none of it is ours. And at the end of the day, God cares more about me than he does my money. My value for this world is found in him. It's not found in what I have. It, it's found in what Christ did for me. My value is being loved by him, not how much I earn. Lie number three is this, is I'm never going to have enough. Have you believed this lie? I'm never going to have enough. Maybe you feel that way this morning. I am never going to have enough. Let me ask you a question. What is enough? What is enough? Because here's something that I've learned is enough is relative. It's a sliding scale. Because here's the thing that I've understood about my life is I turned 18 years old, I graduated high school and I became a youth pastor. Some crazy person hired me at 18 years old to be a youth pastor. And I remember I got a salary at 18 years old, $28,000. And I was like, I'm rich, right? Like 20, are you kidding me, right? I was like, oh my Lord. Because none of my friends at 18 had a salary. Man, I, I was, I ain't buff, but like I was walking around like I am, right? Like I, I was, I was all about it. And I was trying to tell everyone, like, I got a salary, right? And then I started hanging out with other youth pastors who had been in the game a little bit longer. And I realized there are people out there that make more money than me. And guess what happened is 28,000 began to feel like nothing because I began to compare mine to theirs. And so about four years into that job, I got a new job. And guess what? $30,000 moneymaker, right? I was all about it. And once again, what happened? I found out somebody else is still making more money than me. And I was frustrated. It's like, you, you gotta be kidding me. So a few years later, I stay at that job and, and, and then I move on and I'm making 45 and I'm like, oh no, I'm really rich, straight up. And it didn't matter how high I went it was never enough. It was never enough. And, and I don't know about you, but at every single stage I just told you, I felt like I didn't have enough. And maybe you're in the room today and you look back at your life and you go, there has never been a moment where I've had enough. I've, kept, I've just been struggling. I just keep struggling. And I don't know about your story, but you wanna know, why this was such a problem for me is because I was relying on money to be enough for me. I was relying on money to bring value. I was relying on money to be my security. And the fact that there is not enough money in the world to make me happy bothered me. And I don't, I don't know where you find yourself this morning but enough changes too much. 
enough changes because what'll happen is just like the story is God will give you everything you've been praying for and asked for and then give it a few years and you're miserable again. Because when you're finding your value and you're finding enough in the things, enough is a sliding scale. It's gonna continue to move. And, and I've just had to learn that there's not a salary big enough. There's not a car pretty enough. There's not a house big enough to be enough for me. But I have found in my life that the one thing that is enough through it all is Jesus. I love Psalm 21. It says this, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you read this with me? I have all that I need. I have all that I need. And you may be saying, well, that is such a Sunday school answer, right? That is such a Sunday school answer for you to say, well, God's enough. But listen to me. I have had, at 28 years old, I have already had so many incredible things I have, I've, I've had the condo that was 10 minutes away from the beach. I've already had the Jeep. It wasn't the one that I want, but it was a compass and it had Jeep on it. So I said I had a Jeep, right? And, and I've already had the nice cars and I've already had the nice house and I've already had the nice condo by the beach and I've already, I've already had all of it. And, and I'm 28 and I'm here to tell you, it was nothing. It wasn't enough. I, I've tried all that the world had to offer. I've spent money on all that the world had to offer. And let me tell you, all it did was leave me feeling empty. And I've had to discover that Jesus is better than this life. That's the life I want. I want the life where God is enough for me. I want the life where God is guiding me in my finances. I want the life where he's guiding me in my marriage. I want the life where... He's guiding me, and if I've got him, I've got all that I need. Here's a verse that I hold on to. I actually keep this verse. Maybe you want to do this too. I actually keep this verse written on a dollar bill in my wallet. Because like I said, I'm always one step away. I have to remind myself. And this verse says this. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You wanna know one of the reasons I think this stresses us out so much? It's because it always has the potential to fail us and to abandon us. That's why you can't put your security here. Here's the truth as we close. Is enough is who Jesus is. Enough is who Jesus is. There will never be enough of this. And you wanna know something that happens when you believe that Jesus is truly enough? You wanna know what happens? Is it will inspire generosity. You'll feel like you can actually give and you can actually make a difference and you can actually participate in what God is calling you to participate in because he's enough. Because you know that as you give this 1% or this 5% or this 10% or this 15% or, or whatever, as you give this, 
you know, at the end of the day, I know every single time I give, and there have been times that I've, I've given and I mean, it's right. You ever been there? You ever given money and it feels like it's just like, ah, I don't wanna let it go. And there have been so many times where I've had to just remind myself, he will never fail me, will never abandon me. You have to believe this morning that Jesus is enough. He cares a lot more about you than he does your money. Don't believe the lie that you'll be happy when you have blank. Don't believe the lie that you get your value from the things that you have. Hey, don't believe the lie that your life and your finances and all those things are never gonna be enough because I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is enough for you. Last week, Pastor Dan issued a challenge. And this is what we call the 90-day giving challenge. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, hey, you just told me Jesus is enough so that I'll give more. No. Here, here's the thing I want you to understand is, is this challenge is for everybody because what we wanna see is we wanna see you participate in what God is calling you to do. Because I've, I've heard this past week so many God stories of incredible things that God has done by people just stepping out in faith. And here's the challenge. If you're not giving anything, just give something. If you're not giving anything, just give a dollar. If you're not giving anything, just, just give a dollar. If you give something, what if you just gave a percentage of your income? What if you just gave that percentage of your income? You will be surprised. I love that Dan said this last week. You'll be surprised how little 1% is. You'll be surprised at how little 2% is. What if you just gave a percentage? If you give a percentage, what if you just bumped it up by 1%? What if you just bumped it up by 1%? If you give a percentage, what if you started tithing the full 10%? Biblical tithe, 10%. What if you started partaking in that? And hey, if you currently tithe that 10%, what would it look like if you allowed God to push you and just add that 1%. And I, I know if you're a guest in the room and you're like, oh, here we go. They preached this message on money and, and now they want all of our money. Hey, I'm gonna say the exact same thing that Dan said last week. There are plenty of churches in Etowah County. Give to one of them. Attend here, but just get pick a church. Give to another church. Keep coming here and I promise God is gonna do something incredible in your life. And if, if everything gets worse, Pastor Dan said this last week, if everything gets worse in 90 days, stop. This is not you signing your life away. This is you being able to participate in the faith that it takes to give as if you have enough. I know that some of the ministries I give to there are some that I, it hurts, right? Like it, there are weeks, right? You ever give in and it, and it just, it just hurts. But I know that what God is gonna do through that, I'm gonna get blessed tenfold from it. Maybe not numerically, maybe not financially, but God is gonna do something in my life by my faithfulness to give. And hey, if you wanna participate in the giving challenge, we had 40 people last week say that they wanted to participate. I believe that God will do even more 
this week. All I want you to do is just write 90 day giving challenge on a connection card. You just need to write 90 day giving challenge on a connection card, toss that in the offering plate here in just a second. And this is what I want you to know is that God is gonna continue to move in your life. Let's pray.